Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Freshly. Getting a quality dinner on the table every night doesn't have to be so hard. Freshly chefs send you delicious, freshly prepared meals so you can eat without any of the work, no cooking or cleanup required. Delivered to your door fresh, their meals are ready when you are. Freshly chefs and nutritionists make sure that every meal is nutritious and made with high quality, all natural ingredients. So now you can come home late and still have a delicious chef cooked meal waiting for you. Try Freshly and you'll see what it's like to put zero effort into making dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Woj to get $25 off your first order of six meals. That's $25 off plus free shipping at Freshly.com slash Woj, W-O-J. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here in Chicago, finishing up the NBA's pre-draft combine with Lakers restricted free agent forward Julius Randle. We talk about what's in store this summer in restricted free agency, the potential of future in L.A., or perhaps somewhere else around the league. We'll get into that and a lot more with Lakers forward Julius Randle. Here in Chicago with Lakers restricted free agent now, yeah. <laughs> or almost restricted free agent, July 1. Julius Randle. Julius, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it's it. Good to have you back on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is, is this been, we're in Chicago, we're at the Peninsula Hotel uh, downtown, and this is uh, for you four years ago, mm-hmm. going through the draft combine. You've been out here this week, bouncing around. You joined us on on the set on ESPN on Thursday for the first day of the combine coverage. And does this make you feel like a little bit the, the 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old kid coming out of Kentucky getting poked and prodded and by, yeah. by everybody in the NBA? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, four years, how it makes a difference of, you know, just learning, growing as a person, as a player. So, you know, four years ago, it seemed like so much, uh, you know, just going through the process, you know, just having fun, you know, with the whole thing. And now four years later, it seems like forever ago, honestly. But, uh, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, to see – you know, how far, you know, you can come as a person really in four years. Yeah. When you see these young guys walking around the combine, young players and like, you know, like you said, it wasn't that long ago you were in their shoes. Mm-hmm. How much more you know about the business, about the league. Mm-hmm. When you kind of look around at those guys and you think back to then, what did you underestimate about what was ahead of you? Like, what do they not realize? What's, what are the one or two things you just, they just don't know yet about what's uh, coming? Just the, I would probably say just the responsibility. Uh, you have as like a player to continue to, you know, get better at your craft, uh, continue to work uh, on your game and the responsibility as you have off the court as well. You know, everybody's watching you. You're in the NBA now, so everybody's wants to see what you're doing and, you know, they want to part of you. Um, so they don't, I probably say that that's probably one of the biggest adjustments. Uh, you're not going to school anymore. Uh, so you have so much free time. So, you know, with that comes responsibility. But it's an exciting time at the same time. What do you remember about your – you didn't play in the five-on-five. Five. You did some yeah. of the athletic training. You did the interviews. When you think back to that week – and the other thing you had was you had that foot injury in high school yeah. that you had broken your foot and oh, yeah. it had healed, but it didn't look right. It hadn't cost you any playing time, but teams knew they had to deal with it. And that mm-hmm. sort of became 
a little piece of the drama around you that yeah, week. Sure. You went through it. For sure, yeah. I remember getting into it with you about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, I wasn't even educated on my, on it myself. So <laughs> that's just a part of being, a, you know, like I said, 18, 19-year-old kid. But for me, it was like learning, you know, everything outside of basketball. I was just so used to, to playing basketball every day and not dealing with, you know, everything else that, that came with it, not knowing that now I'm a brand and, you know, I had to carry myself a certain way. Uh, so I really wasn't used to dealing with, I guess you say, like the politics of basketball or the business side of basketball. And, you know, that kind of hit me fast, you know, having, having to deal with that. I was just used to playing. Yeah. Well, you, you brought it up. And, and at the time, the thing I'm always most careful with, and especially reporting, is dealing with injuries. And when someone is, quote, unquote, red flagged, you know, I'm not a doctor. Like, I try not to play one, you yeah. know, on the Internet. But – you had had that foot fracture, yeah. and, and at the time, I think the initial agent you had coming into the league wasn't maybe as accessible. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to reach him a number of times to say, I've got all this information from teams. They're all telling me the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not going to cost him his draft status. It's it's probably going to be a procedure that's going to maybe keep him out of summer league six to eight weeks or mm-hmm. uh, something like that. But, but I've got to report it because – a, it's going to get reported. I want to do it in a responsible way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at the time, it was difficult to reach them. And, and, and so I did report it. And and I totally got it. You were in a situation where I, I think you, I don't know if it had been made clear to you no, that it was going that's to be That's what I was issue. saying. Like, yeah, I was like, man, like, I felt bad. Like, we talked about it like years later. And like, you know, I, I just like want to apologize and stuff because I wasn't even educated on the situation of what was going on with myself. So I was like, no, nah, what are you talking about? Like, I'm good. Like, yeah. like I'm fine. Like I run and I jump, but like, I feel all right. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, I'm not injured. And then really, I probably didn't learn until after I got drafted uh, with the Lakers. And, you know, I met with, with Mitch and all that type of stuff. And they were like, no, you have a issue with your foot. And, you know, I had met, you know, with the doctor and realized, you know, that that fracture wasn't healed. So, uh, yeah, I got jumped by Big Blue Nation. Yeah. Why is he, why is he trying, why is he trying to wreck that kid's draft status? Yeah, and it's exactly what I didn't write. I said, it's not going to affect his draft status. It's not a, going to be something, anyway, I think it's a chronic injury. It's just, yeah. it's got to be, got to be taken care it's of. It's just got to be taken care of. Yeah. And then what ended up happening was when you had, when I broke my leg, you broke your leg, they like, kind of did a two for one in the surgery, yeah, right? They were like, this is the perfect time to heal it. Cause you know, your leg will heal. It'll take longer to heal your leg than, you know, for your foot. So I think like maybe two, two and a half months, I think January, I broke my leg and what was season started November and October. I think by January I had the, uh, the foot and my foot was healed way yeah. before my leg. So yeah. And that's kind of where you learn like, it is a bit, I mean, it's a cliche, but like, it is a business yeah. and you're a commodity to people. And it's a delicate thing when you're going through this process to have yourself be sort of protected. And to me, and I think, you know, you know, your agent, Aaron Mintz is in here now. And I think you guys know, I think it would have been handled differently then is to be proactive. And I think yeah. the best case is to probably, <laughs> I'm sure if you were with Aaron then, yeah, you, it, you would have just got it. Like the best way is really to get out in front. Yeah, of that's something, like, right? Yeah. That's not like you know talking bad about anybody. Right. Like my my past agent, he was a great guy. Yeah. But, uh, I just know like the relationship, you know, that me and Aaron have. I can be 
you know, honest and upfront with him if something's bothering me or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, do his best job to, to take care of, you know, anything that is bothering me or whatever it is. So I think, you know, the biggest thing I, I probably learned from that whole incident is, is listening to my body and taking care of my body. Cause, you know, the same thing with my leg, you know, I just got to listen to, to my body and, and take care of it. And everything that I do, I spend so much time on a training table getting worked on or whatever it is to be able to, you know, give myself the best chance to play every game and, and practice yeah. every day too. Yeah. And, and you just said to, to play every game, yeah. which is what you did this year. And yeah. It's pretty crazy. We, we had, when we had you on the, draft combine set on thursday we had that before and after picture mm. i mean it looks like I don't, I don't think you're old enough to remember the old charles atlas ads like in the magazine <laughs> you know like in the 97 pound you know it, you weren't that you were not a 97 pound weakling but, but but it was a transformation your body looked completely different and i would imagine you believe that there's no coincidence between the work you did on your body coming into this year mm-hmm. and then the durability and not just the durability of playing every night, but producing, you know, career year for you. Mm. You put up numbers that put you in a pretty select group over the last decade with some across the board of in a bunch of categories. And as we were talking yesterday a little bit, like weren't imagining playing a lot of five coming out of college, but the NBA changed pretty quickly and mm. you play that position for the Lakers. But just the whole body transformation and then playing the whole season. Yeah, I um, probably say I really learned. Like, it's like one of the things you talk about, what do you know, you know, going into the draft or, or what do you know as far as, um, you know, being an 18-, 19-year-old kid at the combine. And that 18- or 19-year-old kid at the combine didn't really understand his body, didn't understand the importance of nutrition. I had to learn that, like, year by year. I had to learn the importance of the weight room. You know, I never – you know, strongest people think I am or whatever, like growing up, like I just did push up, sit ups and, and that was it. And I didn't really care to touch weights. Like I had, didn't like the weight room or whatever. And I really learned, especially this past off season, the importance of the weight room. So it's just like little things that you learn and catch on every year, you know, that 18 or 19, I can tell a kid that's getting drafted or growing up, like, you know, the importance of certain things that help you have longevity. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process That gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash woj, W-O-J. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Before the season, in almost every other situation in the league, the seventh overall pick, who's gotten better every year, who's become a really productive player for a team, 
would be an obvious part of any team's future, mm-hmm. he'd get offered the rookie extension. He'd get offered, you know, essentially a deal that would keep him locked up for the next four years mm-hmm. in place or added on four years onto his contract at usually a pretty big number. Teams don't want their players in restricted free agency. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those negotiations are back and forth. They're tough. There were none with you. The mm-hmm. Lakers essentially made a decision like we're going to hold off from a really good player we have with the hopes we're going to get a Hall of Fame type player in the present. Mm-hmm. And so that's a decision they made to, to hold on to their cap space. Did you have to get over the fact that they didn't make an offer to go back to work or could you separate it from the job on the court? I feel like I, I really had no choice but to separate it. You know, I think when the, stick, the extension has to be done the day before the season or I, I don't remember, but, uh, I really didn't have a choice. Um, I would say I had to focus on what I could control. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't control, uh, not getting the extension or, you know, whatever happened throughout the year coming off the bench or whatever. I just can control what I could. And that's just like my preparation. Um, you know, the work that I put in, you know, my focus, my intensity, my energy, all those things, you know, I can control it. I knew that I put in the work. So it was just a matter of time before. You know, everything will line up. And uh, I just feel like I'm in a better position anyway, you know, this summer than, you know, trying to work out an extension last summer. So I mean, it's just funny how life works. <laughs> how much time have you taken of really understanding how restricted free agency works? I mean, on the surface, it's it's easy. Like team makes an offer, you sign with that team and the team, your current team, either matches it or they let you go. And mm-hmm. it sounds simple, but it becomes a really complex problem because there's a lot of gamesmanship. Teams are trying to figure out, do we want to tie ourselves up for a few days with an offer sheet? If that team's going to match, you're trying to get a sense of where there'll be cap space in the league. I always kind of feel like restricted free agency brings out the worst in everybody. It <laughs> creates a lot of hurt feelings. Players feel, I mean, I think back to Gordon Hayward's Mm-hmm. In Utah, where it created ill will, he didn't get his rookie extension done. He got an offer sheet, and he felt hurt that he had to go out and get an offer sheet that he didn't. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for the team to get back you know, aligned with him. Does it feel like it's going to be there's going to be an emotional toll or a roller coaster with this one different than an unrestricted guy who just goes, signs his deal, and he's gone? Uh, I try to separate like emotions from like business. You know, I, I know sometimes they go hand in hand. You know, you spend four years in a place that drafted you. It kind of goes hand in hand. But honestly, I'm just so focused on like my craft and continuing to get better uh, as a player. Like it's an exciting time because you know to be a, a free agent, even though I'm restricted. You know, it's an exciting time. But I think what's even more exciting for me is the ability to get better and build off of this year. So I mean, it, it might be an emotional time. I don't know. I've never been through this, you know, this this process before, but I'll try to separate both of them and, and really just try to enjoy, you know, the whole process of things, educate myself. You know, I, my team, uh, my agent, everybody has done a great job of just educating me on the whole thing. So uh, I feel like I'm prepared. Was there ever a strange dynamic in the locker room with the Lakers when you have a group of guys who, well, we might bring that guy back on a one-year deal. We mm-hmm. might match an offer sheet or we might not. We don't know if any of you guys are part of our future because we're waiting on player A, B, C. Mm-hmm. Is it only human nature and impacts 
camaraderie, teamwork, feeling like you're playing for the team versus playing for yourself? Like, was it ever kind of a weird dynamic? Uh, not weird. I thought it was like, honestly, I feel like everybody felt like it was funny. Like it was like jokes, like constantly, like nobody ever took any report or anything that was coming out being said, like, like seriously, like we weren't focused on it. We can only, cause I think as a part of, as being a player, you, you realize really quickly, you only have so much that you can control. So you can't control being in trade talks. You can't control contract negotiations. You can only control that with your play. And, you know, everybody, honestly, we just bought into each other, bought into trying to go out every night, build something, try to win games. Everybody try to, you know, get better. And, uh, you know, whether it was in a locker room or whatever, we just just laughed and, and, and had fun and or whatever it was. We didn't really focus on, you know, too much of what was being said or let it affect, you know, the morality of the team. I don't think anybody took it that seriously. You've had two different front office regimes. Mm-hmm. You're drafted by Mitch Kupchak and then Magic and Rob Palenka came in. You know, you played for different coaches in L.A. You've seen different ways, different styles in front office, coaching. When you think about the things that are important to you and what you want to look for, if you're going to go out on the market and talk to teams, which obviously you're going to do, mm-hmm. and potentially sign an offer sheet somewhere, do you have a few, a couple, one, two criteria that you say, hey, that's important. I've learned in my experience that I want that there or I want to be a part of what? I just feel like culture is important. I feel like, you know, having an identity as a team of who you want to be is really important. Uh, you look at like the teams who are, are in the conference finals right now. You know, Boston has an identity, have a culture. Uh, Houston, Cleveland, Golden State, you know, those teams have a, a culture that makes them successful. I feel like the reason why we had success is because we bought into to how we wanted to play every night uh, with the Lakers. So I, I feel like identity and culture uh, and direction are really important. And I feel like if you get players to buy in into that, then everybody has success because you know what you're working for and how you fit in that. You know, that word gets thrown around all the time like mm. culture somebody gets hired i want a new culture yeah what does it mean to you what, what do you think it means i feel like it, it it means it's just like who you are like your identity we knew every night our culture was we wanted to be top 10 in a defensive uh in, in the league in defense so that was a personal challenge whether it was and we had like like i, I guess you would say pillars uh individual help rebound Whatever it is, like you had three pillars. So we knew we wanted to be top 10 defensive in the league. And then we knew we wanted to be the fastest pace in the league. So you have those two things. You pound those things in every day. You work on those things, whether it's practice or whatever it is. You know that you want to play fast. You want to lock down people or whatever it is. And then I, I don't, I don't know what we ended up at the end of the season. I think we may ended up 12th or something like that and like second, third fastest pace or whatever it is. But. I think when you build that identity in a culture, I really just think it's just identity, like who you are as a player. And I think all summer, last summer, that's what I trained for. I trained to be able to guard multiple positions, to get up and down on the floor. My natural abilities of my quickness, my speed, my strength, maximizing those and, and, and working on my game at the same time. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Full Sail University. Full Sail University combines hands-on learning 
immersive projects, and faculty with real-world experience to prepare students for life in the sports industry. And for the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, they brought in some of sports media's best to be part of the program. Longtime ESPN producer and multi-Emmy winner Gus Ramsey is heading up the program, and sportscasting pros such as Sage Steele, Jay Harris, Bill Simmons, and many more are involved. Students will learn sportscasting inside and out, on camera, behind the camera, podcasting, radio, interviewing, and everything in between. At Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, you can earn a bachelor's degree in about half the time, as short as 20 months. And you can choose to earn your degree online or on Full Sail's campus in Orlando, Florida. To learn more about Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, go to www.fullsail.edu slash woge. That's F-U-L-L-S-A-I-L dot E-D-U slash woge. Something changed for your team around midseason when you got inserted into the starting lineup. Your playing time early was a little up and down at times, and then Mm -hmm. your group really started to play well. What was your sense of where that group sort of hit a stride? I think we went on like a nine-game losing streak right before we really hit our stride. And um, I don't know, man. I think for me it was just about going out, playing hard, playing with a tremendous amount of energy, and I feel like that's contagious. I feel like guys see that and, you know, whether they have, like, being hesitant, you know, second-guessing themselves or whatever, you see that, you're like, man, I I can do that too. And I feel like, for me, I've always been about leading by example. You know, I really don't talk much or whatever, but just play really hard, play without fear, and I feel like it just really became contagious and guys really just, like, believed in themselves and believed, like, uh, there was a point in the season where we started winning games and we was like, man, we can do this, we can do this. And then it changed from, all right, let's give ourselves a chance to every night we came into the game, we we're like, man, we could beat this team. Like we expected to win every game. If we lost every game, I mean, if we lost a game, it didn't sit well with us. So I feel like it was just really playing hard. And then it was a shift in the mindset of, you know, every night we felt like we should win the game. The young core you had with the Lakers and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. who both joined the team last year and, you know, the, the group that in and of itself, if this was like any other organization, they'd say, we got a great young core to build around. Mm-hmm. Lakers look at it different. They're just going to keep going big game hunting, which like you, you understand. Um, yeah. But uh, it seemed like that group and you talked about it, like it, there was a bond there. There was a connection among your group that, that worked. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, and it's, it's tough for young players, uh, the communication aspect, uh, but we, we didn't mind like getting on each other. Uh, we didn't mind communicating and, you know, everybody brought something to the table. Um, everybody believed in each other and, uh, and trusted each other. You know, that comes from communication. So it, it definitely was a, it was a chemistry, um, you know, that we all had and guys grew up fast for sure. Was it difficult to watch at times what Lonzo would go through last year where 
you know, essentially his father would say things that would create a controversy. He'd have to answer to it in practice. You'd come out from media. You guys would have mm-hmm. to answer to it. Was there empathy for him? I would say it was more of like we would sit there and be like, man, how is he going to handle it? Something would be said or it was a headline or whatever it was, uh, like him, like the Trump thing or whatever it was. Like we're sitting there, we're laughing, but I mean, this kid is really going through it. And like we're going a lot like I, for me personally, I go in the locker room and I'll be like, man, how is he going to handle it? And like he has like the thickest skin, like you, he acted like nothing happened. Like it was it was the craziest thing. Like I don't think anything really affects him. You know, he's really tough. And I really think I mean, that's his pop. So he's just right. probably like, man, that's dad. Like, I'm not I'm not tripping. Like it was new to everybody else. But yeah, it was it was new to every it was new to us. Uh <laughs> But honestly, at some point, then you understand it and you're just like, man, like, he's not tripping about it. Why, like, why would we even care? Like, like, I don't think he's, that was really his focus. He was like, I'm just going to let my dad be my dad. And he was just enjoying being a teammate of, of ours. How long did it take you once you were with the Lakers to realize everything you did was magnified? And you knew that from Kentucky. You went through it there on one level. But, and I think you've said this before, like, even when the team was not any good at all and was rebuilding, nobody in that building who's paying whatever for tickets and has been used to seeing championship level teams, they don't accept you guys shouldn't beat everybody every night. It's like, yeah, that's what they're, no one's talking about the process in LA. (laughs) That's what, um, that's what they're used to. That's why they have the banners. I don't know. I, I think Kentucky really prepared me for it. You go from being a high profile, you know, high school player to playing at one of the top programs in the country and for college. And then you go to the Lakers. Like I've been, I've been pretty blessed to have a really, a really passionate, you know, uh, fan base, you know, everywhere I've been. So I wouldn't say I'm numb to it, but I feel like when you, when you set expectations for yourself as a player, I don't think any like outside noise of, you know, what other people expect, expect of you, uh, can really get to you. I mean, when you play for the Lakers, like, and we've talked about this too, like, <laughs> it isn't always somebody with an Atlanta or Indiana or mm-hmm. Minnesota, wherever, they might be compared at their position to the other players in the league at their positions. You get compared to, are you James Worthy? James Worthy. Right? I was just about to say that. Right? <laughs> like, the expectation is, you know, Luke Walton, are you Pat Riley? You know, and so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Lonzo Ball, well, will he be magic? Well, no, he's not exactly. going to be magic because there's never going to be another <laughs> magic. So, but there's got to be a part of you that really, you've gone through the pain of, mm-hmm. of losing and taking what you take in the market when you're not winning. Mm-hmm. Do you spend time imagining like what it would be like to have that, you know, be winning in LA? And, you know, you're always around, you see the, you know, people grew up watching Showtime and then in the Kobe years, Shaq. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of you that would like to be there for that and see that through? That would be really cool. I feel like I've been like the start of the, the rebuilding process with the Lakers. I was what, yeah, I was the first lottery pick when they started getting lottery picks and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it would be, it would be cool. Um, but for me, man, I just, like, I, I can't really sit, and imagine things like you have dreams, you write your goals down, whatever it is. But for me, I just keep my head in the work. I'm so caught up in the moment of, of where I am now and continuing to get better as a player and as a person. Like, I don't, 
I don't sit around and just be like, man, I, I wish we like we're here, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm too busy. Like for me, mentally focus, trying to work to get to that position. Like I can sit around and gloat and laugh and, and giggle and, and pop champagne, you know, once you win a championship and, and you get to that position. But, uh, until then, like I just too focused and care about the work and the process of it. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, posting your position at job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj, W-O-J. ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're recruiting at Kentucky. You think July will feel like that? Again. Did you like the recruiting process on high school? Did you like going uh, through it? It was fun. You had everybody. Yeah, you, were, yeah. you were, you know, you were top five player in the country. You had yeah. everybody. It was fun for me because it was like something that you waited on for four years. Like I always watched college basketball. I grew up like, you know, a fan of college basketball. So it was like for me, like I finally get to pick, you know, the college that you know I'm going to. It's something I drained of all the letters, all the meetings, all the visits. Like, I get to be a part of that atmosphere. Uh, so for me, it was really exciting. This is a lot different, I feel yeah. like. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Man. This is, yeah, this this is, this is, is super different, different and I'm restricted. Everybody doesn't have a scholarship for you, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. There's schools that want you, but they don't have any scholarships, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Called cap space. Yeah, for sure. So this is, this is, uh, this is a lot different. It's still the same joy, and I would say the same, like, fun and the excitement. Not a lot of nervousness or, or worry, like in my position. Like I'm just really having fun with it. But it's just I, I don't know. It's just different. Do you find yourself now whether it's you know teams who are left in the playoffs aren't gonna they're not teams with cap space typically. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking around the league, going that interests me for this reason or that reason. Like you, you even when you went around the league last year and played on the road, mm-hmm. would there a part of you going? This isn't a bad situation. Do you, do you find yourself doing that as you get closer to it? Just examining teams and coaches, rosters, and go, I could see how I'd fit there. Uh, during the season, I, I couldn't really do it. Uh, I was, like I said, I was so mm-hmm. like tunnel vision mm-hmm. on what I need to do, you know, to help my team win games and put myself in the best position. Uh, so I couldn't really, couldn't really focus on that. Now that it's free agency, uh, I guess you kind of have to, you know, look at certain situations or whatever. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, it's my first time, but as far as fits, uh, I don't know, man. I don't have any, I don't have any woge bombs for you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully, uh, 
Hopefully at some point this summer, hopefully there will be one, but I, uh, <laughs> it is always Julius when I appreciate you taking the time jumping in and yes, sir, absolutely. And, uh, I know we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Los Angeles Lakers forward, Julius Randall. Remember you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple pods or wherever else you get your shows. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsors today, Freshly, Full Sail University, and ZipRecruiter. Please be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.